Listen, before I start teaching, um, I don't know how you've responded to these toxins that we've talked about. I don't think I've taught any toxin yet that I didn't, as I was teaching it, go, oh, that's me. Right? They're hitting home. And so this morning, I feel like maybe more than most of them, I just want you to, this is going to be weird. I want you to put your hands in front of you like this. And I want you to picture in your hands just like a bucket full of grace. And first, I want you to do this. I'm just going to pour it over yourself. Trust me, you're going to need it. And now, I want you to refill it and, like, throw it on the person next to you. <laughs> okay. We're, somebody throw some my way, if you don't mind. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> we're going to need some grace this morning um, because we're going to talk about the toxin of inconsistency. Okay. And all of us, now do you see, do we need to do the gracing again? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, more grace, more. Um, but, but, but with a twist, okay? So let me just set this up, and then it's going to be a lot of teaching, a lot of verses, and then we're going to pray. Um, it's, we all recognize that if I say inconsistency, we all think of the areas of our life where we are not consistent. Yes, that's the first place we go. And that's good. I mean, we should go there. But I'm going to, the, the, one of the last verses we're going to read is in Genesis chapter 19. It's the story of Lot in Sodom before God destroyed Sodom. And so we're going to work our way there. But when we read that verse, it's just something God showed me a, a good number of years ago when I was ministering at a different church. And it, I've never been the same like I've never seen that story the same okay so there's a reason we need to be consistent okay can I just set up that way so if you've ever um parents this I think about parents I think this might happen more with parents than with um people like like children and teenagers but if you've ever tried to explain to somebody I mean like not just from a head place but from a heart place if you do that it will hurt you and then they go, oh, and then they do it, right? And when you're, again, maybe this is true, like if you're the boss at a job or you're, but I just, parenting is what's, I'm thinking about that right now. Like we know, don't we? Because we've lived long enough. We just know if you do that, it will not go well for you, right? And then we've also all been not parents. So we've all heard our parents say that. And then we all went, yeah, right. Remember, I don't know if you remember it's not, but like infusion, I can remember saying to the teenagers in our youth group, like the, the hard thing about teenage years is you can line up 100 people who say the exact same thing. I did this and disaster happened. Next. I did that and disaster happened. Next. 100 people can say it. And youth teenagers will look at those 100 people and say, well, I'm sorry that y'all aren't as smart as me. Right? And then they'll do it and then they'll experience the same thing. So. That's kind of the frustration I think we're going to start to feel as we get to the end of this message. And I just want you to know all of us are going to feel it, right? So you, you won't distract me if at some point during, <laughs> during the message I mention one of these places that we need to be consistent and you throw more grace on yourself or if you're like, yeah, that was for you. Maybe don't, maybe don't do that. Okay, so here, here's how we're going to break this down. We're going to talk about five areas where we need to be consistent and four benefits of it. Okay? That sounds like. Could y'all do math? That's nine points, right? Are y'all scared? You're like, he's going to do nine points? This is going to take forever. Write fast if you're a note taker. Here we go. Five areas of consistency. Number one, 
We need to be consistent in our faith. We need to be consistent in our faith. Hebrews 10, 23, I'm going to read the verses. Just jot down the references. You can look them up later. It says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Raise your hand if you're sitting next to a bad driver. That word unswervingly jumped off the page, didn't it? I said raise your hand, Tim, not stand up. Whew. Hey, if y'all could just throw some grace this way, because Tim's going to need it later. If you've ever ridden with somebody who swerves a lot, you can feel the kind of the anxiety of this verse. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We can hold on without wavering because he doesn't waver. Right? He is consistent. It's based, and this is, if you look at the whole passage, right? So if you start in verse 19 and you read all the way through 25, here's what you'll find. That we can be consistent because of what has been done. Verses 19 through 22 talks a lot about all the things Jesus did. And he says, because of all that, now you hold unswervingly. And then the two verses after this talk about the things that are going to happen. The things that need to still be done. But he's like, we can do those things consistently because of what Jesus did. Because he is faithful. So we need to be faithful and consistent in our faith. Number two, we need to be consistent in our works. 1 Corinthians 15.58. Are y'all okay that I said the word work? Some Christians get weirded out about that. They're like, I thought Jesus paid it all. He did. I thought Jesus did it all. He did. Why am I doing anything? Because he did that so you could do what you were made to do, right? I mean, we're, not earning, we're not earning anything from Jesus. He doesn't love the person next to you more than you because they read through Leviticus and you stopped. <laughs> right? Some of you are like, that was my February. I promised God I would read the Bible, and then I read Leviticus. And I'm eight days behind. He wants us to be consistent in our works. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, and we don't have time to go back through the whole chapter 15, but because it says therefore, today, sometime this week, you should probably read 1 Corinthians 15, the whole thing, and see why he's saying this. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We can consistently give ourselves to the work because he said we aren't laboring in vain. Right? Now, again, we've all had bad bosses, yes? Eh, don't raise your hand if you're self-employed. We've all had bad bosses, and there have been times that we have worked really hard for a boss, and we weren't sure if that work would pay off. And what do you typically do? Not a straight question. You typically work for him or her while you find another job, right? And what, what God's saying here in 1 Corinthians 15 is, I am your boss. I am your, I'm in charge. I'm your Lord. And because you can trust me, I'm telling you, your labor is not in vain. Yes, we get tired. Yes, we get weary. Yes, we need mornings like this morning where we just go, I'm going to throw out all that off, and I'm just going to praise, right? And don't you feel different right now? Right? The Word of God is true. And he says, because 
because your labor is not in vain, now like keep going. Number three, we can be, we need to be faithful in our walk. This one might be one of those grace ones, right? This is going to hit a little different. Proverbs 10:9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Integrity, the Greek word for that just means wholeness, completeness, and simplicity. So simplicity, we all know what that word means, right? It means, like we, we sang about that this morning. It's such a perfect song. I don't want anyone else. You're my how many things? One thing. That's simplicity. The opposite of simplicity could be duplicity, multiplicity. It's having tons of options, tons of choices. And we've talked about that before, right? The Cheesecake Factory menu thing. Yes? We get overwhelmed by all the choices. But he says, look, if you'll walk in integrity, which means every part of your life matches up. Doesn't mean perfection. It just means you match, your life matches. Like what you say matches what you do. And when what, when what you say doesn't match what you do, you confess that, right? Like we're not putting on a mask for all my Monday night group people. We're not putting on a mask. We're saying, my bad, oops, God, forgive me. And he says, okay, let's keep going. That's walking in integrity. And if we walk in integrity, then we walk securely. We need to have consistency in our walk. Followed by consistency in our words. Whew. Matthew 5.37 says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Some of you just now were punching people, you're poking people next to you. See, you use too many words. Listen to the pastor. He's telling you too many, just say yes or no. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You just poke them again. You're being used of the devil. <laughs> They're not really, he's not really talking about the amount of words that we use. He's saying live so consistently that all you need to say is yes or no. And people are like, I got it. If he says yes, that means yes. Anybody watch the movie Hook with Robin Williams? So you can help me finish this. He says, my word is my bond, right? There were a lot of hands that were raised, and all I heard was Chase. Can we give Chase a hand, please? That was fantastic. He says, my word is my bond, right? If I say it, I'm going to do it. We need to, in our words, we need to have consistency. I don't have time to go into this, but sometimes you learn these lessons in the hard way. And I remember when Wendy and I first got married, and she had, she paid for the wedding. Thank you, Wendy. Because I was broke. And she had, like, amount, an amount of money left over. When we, when we first got married, by the way, we lived in a, in, like, we rented a place. And all the furniture that we had was given to us. None of it matched. But it all matched the carpet. Right, so you can just imagine. And then we upgraded to uh, like seven, I think it might have been 700 square foot duplex, but it felt like 70 square feet. But like literally you could just turn around in the middle and give people the tour of the house. It was very, very small. She had enough money left over from paying for the wedding that she was like, can we get a couch? 
And I was like, yes, absolutely. It's your money. I mean, our money, but it's your money. And you can do, you can get a couch. And so what I love about Wendy is like, she just takes her time. She shops. She does all, I mean, are y'all, are y'all like that? Like you just comparison shopping, found the couch. It's like, let's get the couch. She's like, it might go on sale. So we didn't get it then. And as we waited to get the couch, God told me to go to seminary. Oh, some of y'all, it's been too long. Because you know the conversation that was coming next. Honey, I know I said that we could use the money for the couch, but God told me to go to seminary. And for some reason, she got mad at me, not God. I don't understand it. Like, God said, I'm just a messenger. And she's like, you said we could use the money for the couch. And I'm, I had to, like, we had to work through that because I gave her my word, and my word was not my bond at that point. And instead of, like, it's not fair to just blame God, right? Like, we had an agreement, and I had to go back on it. Simply let your yes and no, just say yes or no. No need for wordy rationalizations. Or explanations. I will tell you if you need grace for this. If you need grace for consistency in your words, if you've ever said to somebody, I'm so sorry, but. That's everybody, right? Yeah, we all do that. We all say we're sorry, and then we explain why we did what we're sorry for. I'm so sorry that I yelled, but if you had simply made your bed, I'm so sorry I was late, but there was a train that passes by every morning at the same time. I'm so sorry I'm late, but I was just running quickly into Walmart, as if that ever happens, right? I mean, we explain all of that. And he, he's saying, like, live in such a way that your words, you just say yes or no. You don't have to add anything to it. People can trust it. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. We should move on from that, right? Because he said, don't let any. I mean, I, I read that and go, I'm doing pretty good. Then I see any, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need that they might benefit from it. Man, we do so much talking about ourselves and for ourselves and to benefit ourselves. And he's like, right there, don't do any of that. Only say what's helpful for other people. Grace, would you like to throw some grace right now on ourselves and people around us? And then finally, the fifth area that we need to be consistent is in our prayers. Sometimes I read verses in the Bible, they're just so stinking clear. Don't you like the vague verses where you can rationalize out of it? But then you run across one like 1 Thessalonians 5.17. In the NIV, it has two words, pray continually. It's a prayer of repentance, right? <laughs> Pray continually. Like, never stop. Consistent prayer. It literally means without intermission. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So everything that comes in the next seven verses is to teach them what? Not how to pray, how to not give up. How to pray and not give up. 
or how to not pray normally, right? Because don't most of us pray and then give up? Like we do the flare prayer, right? You have a really a disaster happens in your life, and so it's just like having car trouble, and you pull out that flare, and you just go, hey, God, and he graciously answers, and he meets your need, and then you never talk to him again until the next time you have a flat tire. Flare prayers. We do them all the time. And he's like, how about, how about be consistent in your prayers? Like, well, I'm consistently praying when I have a problem. I think what he's after here is that we consistently talk to the one we love, right? Philippians 4, 8 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. To sum that up, it means to pray at all times, in all ways, pray about everything. Now, this, like becoming consistent in these five areas, did, did we hit any areas that made you feel a little convicted or uncomfortable? <laughs> I'm five for five, just to set you at ease, okay? This is a process. Now, just to make sure we understand this, this is a process. It's part of living consistently. Part of living consistently is, is having the humility to frequently repent, to frequently confess, and then we grow in those areas, right, until we're fully mature. And as we do that, we, we find benefits. So here's your four benefits, four things that happen when we live with consistency. And then we're going to get to the big idea. Number one, first benefit is that consistency guides our steps. Proverbs 11.3, the integrity, there's that word again. And what is integrity? It's wholeness, completeness, right? The things in our lives match. The integrity of the upright guides them. It's like, it's like guardrails, right? You bump up against them, it maybe damages your car a little bit, but you don't die. The integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Remember those, that word? That means because they can't make a decision. <laughs> like driving with somebody that's got crazy eyes, right? They're like, which way do we go? Which way do we go? And it's like, go, just pick one, right? <laughs> like, go that way. Like, because they're, they're not simple-minded, they're not consistent, their duplicity destroys them. But our integrity, our consistency guides us. I love all of us enough to simply say the truth. A lot of times we come to fellow believers with a crisis and, and we, or we come to God with a crisis and he's like, I'm going to help you with that, but we need to have a conversation because I didn't cause any of that. That's you. That's all you. You didn't live with integrity. You were not consistent. Uh, again, back on parenting. Huh, throw grace on yourself. But if we're inconsistent in what we say to our children, then it's, it's not an attack from the enemy that they grow up not knowing that they can trust us. It's the result of us not living with consistency. But if we are consistent, even when you tell them to do things and you know that they don't like you, but you're consistent, 
I consist. I know that you will love me no matter what. I know that I can come to you no matter what. That kind of consistency that actually guides us. Here's the second one. It blesses our families. Consistency blesses our families. Proverbs 27 says the righteous lead blameless lives. Blameless doesn't mean perfect, so this can count for all of us, right? It just means consistent. The righteous lead consistent lives. Blessed are their children after them. Number three, it silences our critics. Full disclosure, I wasn't really convinced about the word silence is there because I don't want you to get the idea that if you'll walk and live consistently, people will never say anything bad about us because they will, right? Um, but I also didn't want to use the word shames our critics because I'm not sure shame's a good thing, although the Bible uses it in this verse. Here we go, 1 Peter 3.16. says, to live in a way that you can keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Some translations say that they would be put to shame. In other words, people talk about you, but then other people are like, that can't be true about him because I've watched his life. That's not, that's not him. I've had people tell me things about other believers and not good things and my response usually starts with this and I'm so thankful when it can start with this that's not the person I know they must have been having a hard day because that does not sound like right you're either going to assume the worst or believe the best and and when we live consistent lives first Peter 3 16 says that it's possible to live so consistently again not perfectly but consistently which means there's Confession, there's repentance, there's like community where we're saying to people like, thank you for helping me live out this higher standard because I blew it right there. When we live consistently, the Bible says that it shames, it silences our critics. That they'll still talk, but they won't be believed. Man, don't you want, I want that. And here's the last one, and we're going to hang out here just a little bit before we pray. The last benefit of consistency is that it strengthens our witness. Now to Genesis chapter 19. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but God has just revealed that he's going to destroy Sodom. And so he has sent some angels to Lot, and he's trying to tell Lot, like, this is what's getting ready to happen, and so I need you to, to get ready, I need you to get out. And he tells him, hey, do you have any sons-in-law? Do you have any other family that's not here can you go tell them, go warn them? And here's our verse, Genesis 19, 14. We'll put it up on the screen for you. It says this, So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. And he said, Hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. Notice the last sentence. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. This is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Because when Lot's family needed to be warned, they didn't believe the message. And the reason that they didn't believe it is if you read commentaries, you'll see this about Lot. He was a man that was far from consistent. Just a couple things in, in, in his life. Uh, chapter 13 in Genesis, he chose to live in Sodom even though he knew it was a wicked place. 
I'm sorry to even bring this up, but if you read Genesis 19, you will see it in verse 8. He offered his daughters to a sex-craved mob. I have no answer for that. I will tell you this. There are a lot of things that are in the Bible not because God approves of it, but because God's not going to hide the wickedness of our lives. Right? Which, by the way, this is kind of off topic. But if you were going to write something about yourself wouldn't you take the worst of your life out God leaves it in not the worst about God I'm just saying the worst about us he doesn't whitewash that for me that's one of the strongest arguments that I can trust the Bible because God's not trying to cover up all the weird stuff that we do and boy don't we do weird stuff <laughs> there's this mob like Give us those angels so we can have sex with them. This is weird, I know. And, and lots, it's in the Bible, sorry. And then lots like, um, no, not the angels, but here's my daughters. It's weird. That's the man that we're talking about. He, he hesitated when it was time to leave Sodom. We all know about his wife, right? Lot's wife that turned into a pillar of. <laughs> yeah. Please pass Lot's wife, right? <laughs> um, we all know about her. But the Bible actually says that as they were leaving, that Lot hesitated. And the angel had to take his hand and pull him out of the city. This is not a man who was like, just, Lord, speak, your servant listens, right? And I'll do whatever you say. This was an inconsistent man. And because of his inconsistency, when he went to the people that he loved and said, y'all, we got to get out of here. Like something, this place is going to be destroyed. They literally looked at him and said, right. Yeah, we've seen this before. Oh, you heard from God this time, did you? Yeah, we've heard that before. And he never lived it out. And they died because of it. What does that have to do with us? Have you heard of the end times? <laughs> like, Y'all. We have a message that we need to be declaring to people. And, and what haunts me about Genesis 19:14 is like, God, please don't let me be the person who declares truth but does not have a life to back it up. Because in that moment, they're going to go, yeah, we've heard this before. We, you've told us this stuff before, but then you didn't live it out. And so we can't trust you. Now, if you're throwing grace on yourself right now, let me just tell you this. In, in, in a twist that only God can do, if you look at 2 Peter, don't turn there, just 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, guess what the Bible records about Lot? It says he calls, it calls him righteous Lot. It says he was righteous Lot who was... I think the King James says vexed. He was vexed by the wickedness in Sodom. Well, that's not the lot we read about in Genesis, is it? So there, listen, there's hope here, y'all. God's grace turns things around. So if we've gone through like these five areas and you're just like, oh, I've really messed this up. I'm too far gone. God can't use me. It's just like, wait, remember lot, right? Remember lot who hesitated, who like offered his daughters, who did weird things, and yet in 2 Peter is called righteous because that's the God we serve. There's a lot at stake right now. 
Um, we got AI, we got deep fakes. We got a lot of stuff eroding confidence in people's ability to know what's true. We don't need our lives to be a part of that erosion, right? We need to live consistently so that what we say can be believed. Um, here's your big idea. You're going to read it and go, duh, right? If we want to be believed, we need to be consistent. It's as simple as that. If we want to be believed, we need to be consistent. So here's how I want us to end. We started by dumping a bunch of grace on ourselves, and we're going to end it the same way. We're going to, um, we're going to practice 1 John 1, 9. Here's what it says. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from some unrighteousness. What does it say? It says all, right? So here's how we're going to live this out. I want you, um, it, won't, it won't be long. We'll just do it quickly. I just want you to close your eyes. And let's just, let's practice the confession of that verse so that we can experience the forgiveness of it. Okay? I'm not going to ask you to confess your sins to each other. Let's just confess them to the Lord. So I mentioned five areas that we need to be consistent. Faith, works, walk, words, and prayer. Pick one. Pick one. And just tell the Lord right now, hey, God, in the area of words, I've not been consistent. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm confessing that to you. My words have not matched my actions. God, I look, at, I look at my kids. I look at people that I'm mentoring, people I'm discipling, people I work with, and I'm convicted right now because I think they might look at me like Lot's sons-in-law looked at him. And even though I'm talking about you and how great you are, they don't believe me. And in this moment, God, it's because I recognize that I've not been consistent in my words or even in my walk. And so I confess that to you. Have you done it? Have you confessed yours to the Lord? And if you have, here's what we're going to do. I just want you to say, thank you, God. I mean, if you, if you confessed it, I want you to say it out loud. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah, and why, why are we thanking him? Because the second half of that verse says that he is faithful. We're confessing in the first part of 1 John 1 9 because we've not been faithful. And he says in the last part, he is faithful. He is just, and he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So I want you to thank him again for cleansing you of all unrighteousness. Some of you are all like, this is creepy. It's just because you don't talk to God. It's because you think that if you pray, you have to use King James. But prayer is just talking to him. And most of prayer is just telling him what he already said. So. God, thank you that because we confessed the areas where we're not consistent, we don't have to stand up and walk out of here with our heads down. We don't have to have shame over it because according to the verse we just read, we don't even have it anymore. You cleansed us from it, and we say thank you. In your name, Jesus. Somebody say amen.